0: Welcome to Timely Wisdom with Drs. Alice Bradford, Sarita Wright, Brenda Wallace, Carolyn Carlisle, and I am Denise Burns. You can watch us live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Follow us on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube. Today our guest is Dr. Ivy Sessions, White Women's Fragility. This was recorded on October the 12th, 2021.
1: I am ready to introduce our most powerfully, powerfully gifted guest today. Dr. Irie Lynn Session, an award-winning minister, and master,
2: and
0: was pushed. Uh, oh, Dr. Wallace. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Why y'all laughing? Why y'all laughing?
2: Y'all know I
3: don't know how to do this. Y'all know this. I'm trying to share like you told
1: me. I was trying to hold it together, but I just... just, Let me go. Let me go back. (laughs) Dr. Irie Lynn Session. An award-winning minister, pastor, audio, TEDx <laughs> presenter, spiritual entrepreneur, a womanist practitioner, was born in Hawkins, Texas, and raised in, in the New York housing projects. My sister is from the hood, huh? My God, I love it. She's a ch- church planner and a co-pastor of the gathering, a womanist church of the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Dallas, Texas, and president. Of the national convocation of the christian church disciples of christ she's been a pastor with the disciples of christ for 16 years and she was ordained in 2007. dr irie is founder and ceo of dream big consulting where she supports black women to advocate advocate their latent, latent passion sorry and creativity Leverage their professional expertise and experience to use technology. We thought we talked about that last week. Social media and digital platform to create economic autonomy in 2020. I am excited. Dr. Irie is a a professor for the course study of school at Perkins School of Theology at Southern Methodist. University. Okay, I digress. She's an adjunct professor at Bright Divinity School at Texas Christian University. She holds an undergraduate degree in social work from Oklahoma Christian University, a Master of Divinity with Certificate in Black Church Studies from Bright Divinity School and a Doctor of Ministry in Transformative Leadership and Prophetic Preaching from Colgate Rochester Crozier Divinity School in Rochester, New York. She is a 2019 recipient of a $15,000 pastoral study project grant from the Louisville Institute. Her research project was titled Womanist Ecclesiologies, Black women resisting white supremacist capitalist patriarchy. She is well learned and well earned. She's a, a single mother to one daughter, 27 year old. When you see her, you're going to be like, what? Her name is India Liana. I want you to put in the chat section, welcome Dr. I. Recession. Woo woo. Hey. How I can do that today? without thinking about, thinking about Wallace. Just laughing. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Doctor
3: Irene? I'm doing good. Listen, I want to keep it a buck. I, you know, as as pastors, as clergy women, I know that many of us have like these um, visions, these places where we'd like to preach, where we'd like to um, be interviewed, where we'd like to show up and and timely wisdom was on my bucket list <laughs> i'm serious i'm just, I'm, not up, I'm not gonna pretend that i haven't always wanted to come on time wisdom because i have so i'm so glad <laughs> that you all invited me and i didn't have to go begging so no ma'am no ma'am
1: you were on the list do you hear me she said keep it a buck i ain't managed. <laughs> I just love your spirit. I love how you just flow in the spirit. I love how you just keep it 100, as the kids will say. I just love it all together. Um, you're bar none. You want to make sure everybody understands what you're saying without reservation. I love it. Well, since yeah, I'm there, I need you to keep it real. How you okay. doing these COVID streets? You know what? I'm doing okay. Listen, and you won't believe
3: this, but I am an introvert. And so I love this time um, of of solitude. I get my energy um, when I'm alone, when I can think, when I can reflect.
1: Um, So I'm doing okay. I'm doing pretty good. Wow. That is wonderful to hear. Um, Most people don't understand what an extroverted introvert looks like. Yeah, it's
3: all about how you get your energy yes right? um Absolutely. and so extroverts tend to get their energy they're refueling from yep. being in community from being around people mm-hmm. introverts on the other hand refuel with alone time so for yes. me like after preaching right i i get ghosts i, I mean i yeah. have to because I have extended so much, particularly when we're in person, right? People, you know, come to you, they want to shake your hands, they want to tell you, you know, or they want to talk about you, whatever. Um, When it's over, I have to get some alone time. Yes. In order to refuel, to get re-energized. Yes. And my my co-pastor, Reverend Camila, which is so amazing, she's an extrovert. Yeah. Uh, And so... After preaching, she can go out and have dinner with the whole church. I mean, I'll do it too, but I'm kind of quiet or whatever. But yeah, so it, it works out. But that's that's what I mean when I say um, introvert and extrovert. Yeah.
1: We, we look at your, your bio and we talk about what you've done. And I didn't even scratch the surface. And one of the things you talk about is white women's fragility. Yeah, and yeah. when we look at those three words together, it's okay. Well, what is that? And how does this show up in our in our lives, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. What is that? Well, what is white women? Let me
3: give you an example first, and then I will get more specific with uh, definitions. Yeah. So um I spent the first part of my career in the field of social work. One of and over 22, 23 years in the nonprofit sector.
0: Yeah.
3: And on one occasion and working with, I worked with children and families living with HIV. I worked with women who were exiting prostitution and sex trafficking. And yeah. in in one of the experiences, there was a woman, a black woman who I was working with and she had some concerns about, The organization's executive director, how she was, um, how she seemed to have an affinity to a certain woman's child, right? She was um, paying more attention to this particular woman's child when all these other women have children, but she wasn't giving them the attention. And of course, this uh, executive director was a white woman. And so she told me about this situation. So I said, Well, here's what. I think would be helpful if you would go and have a conversation with the executive director. And I said, would you like me to come with you? And she said, yes, uh, please come with me. So we scheduled a meeting and sh- and this young woman, uh, impoverished um, former prostitute from former uh, a drug addict who had changed her life, but still had this sense of low self-esteem and self-worth, but I go with her into the meeting with the executive director. She, mm-hmm. she gets the courage to express in a very nice and loving way, right, uh, to the executive director how she felt. This executive, and I'm sitting there next to her, the executive director begins crying. And she <laughs> begins talking about how difficult her job is. And so what ended up happening is this young Black woman then begins comforting the executive director and apologizing. And in that moment, I said, wow, to myself, right? Wow, I'm sitting right here and I'm seeing this white woman flip the script. I'm seeing her her white fragility and how it is manipulating this situation so that she does not have, so she's not even dealing with the concerns of this young woman. So that's a real life example of white fragility. But let me get more specific. Um, Dr. Shaniqua Walker-Barnes, in her book, I Bring the Voices of My People, a woman' vision for racial reconciliation, she talks about fragility white women's uh, fragility as basically a lack of biosocial stamina to withstand racial stress. I'll say it in another way um, many white women don't have the internal equipment or believe they don't to handle conversations. Or confrontations about racial issues, right? Um, and, and so, the, and in fact, they've been socialized to see themselves um, as passive, as weak, as fragile, as powerless. And so they don't see themselves as privileged, right? Um, And so, and again, they've been socialized to see themselves that way, so that when racial issues are discussed or have been pointed out in their interactions, particularly with black women, it brings them emotional discomfort. And consequently, they will shut down, they'll retreat, they'll cry, they'll become passive aggressive. And or they'll start organizing a case against you to get you fired because now you the problem. Rather than seeing you as a godsend to help them become better human beings. So when I say white women's fragility, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, this internalized way of viewing themselves as weak, as fragile, as powerless, as passive. Now, it becomes a problem because, and those are stereotypes of white women because we know that all white women are not passive. They're, we know we got some, probably some friends who are white women who are resilient, who are strong, who are courageous, right? Um, just as there are stereotypes that define us as black women, right, um, that black women are independent, black women are assertive, we're aggressive. We're angry. Strong black women, women. And, you know, uh, right now, um, Pink Road Chronicles and Dr. Melva Sampson on Sunday morning, we're going through, um, again, another book by Shaniqua Walker B- Barnes, uh, Too Heavy a Yoke," where it, it's talking about this, this um, trope of the strong black woman, right? And how harmful it is to us. But those are stereotypes, that even we as black women have internalized, right? So when so you have these two stereotypes of white women as fragile and passive, black women as angry and aggressive, right? So when the two of us get into a situation where we wanna talk about race or where we something happens and a black woman brings something to the attention of a white woman in, in particularly one in authority or leadership, you got a dangerous dynamic there. You got a dangerous dynamic. And and it is, uh, white women's fragility is can be very dangerous and harmful, harmful to black people, to black women in particular.
2: You know, I just that- so agree with you. I, I agree with women. you so much. And I have seen it so many times when they get caught in their racism are in, bi- in their biases, the first thing they do is cry. And I, it just works my ever-loving nerve. But it's this idea of
3: they feel this discomfort. They feel, you know, but they don't know how to live with it. They don't know how to stay in it and interrogate, why am I feeling this way? But rather, they push it away. They run away, which buys in to their own internalized um, weaknesses, right? Be- believing that they're weak and they don't have uh, the strength to handle these conversations. And 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 um, and and then so many people come to their rescue, right? When that happens, Dr. Um, so, yeah.
0: Session, I see that two two of our persons are coming in. I see Rosa Simpson says. Oh my goodness. I experienced that and told myself I would never go to my boss again, expressing my feelings. And then I see Tawanda Starworth says, I'm trying to figure out how Dr. Session was in my Zoom meeting with my supervisor. Promise I didn't see her there, but she is talking my experience. Yes.
3: And you see, Dr. Burns, what happens when that, when that happens, then black women, we go into the strong black woman mode where, I'm not telling them nothing. I'm keeping it to myself. I'm not gonna show my vulnerability. I'm not going to express how I have been hurt by this. And y'all, I'm really passionate about this because my daughter is going through this thing right now. And I'm trying to help her not put on that strong black woman motif, right? She can be a black woman who is strong as Shaniqua Walker Barnes says, Without being a strong black woman,
0: yeah, yeah, right. I see, her. And, and, and continue with that. It just I want to catch these from, from our viewers because yeah. I mean, they, they're just really connecting with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. For Cheryl cool. McDaniel says, I allow them to cry <laughs> while I look at them, not wavering from my position. And then yes. another says, Then they want, then Laurie Pearson Boehner says, Then they want you to center them in their pain, mm-hmm.
3: yes, and and. Isn't that what uh, the young woman did, right? When she confronted the executive director, then she flipped it and started comforting the person in the power position. She felt bad then about even bringing it up, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. She centered her feelings and neglected her own way of feeling about Really, the disparity in treatment that her own daughter was experiencing.
1: Hmm.
0: Wow, yeah. this is good stuff. Hmm. Um, what is it? Rosa Simpson says it doesn't even have to be about race. My mm-hmm. counters said I feel a said I feel attacked. Right. And, um, and, um, uh, Angela Carter says, we we're told that vulnerability is a weakness. Mm-hmm. And then crescero Cheryl, McDame says, their pain is no greater than mine. Mm-hmm. Just hit that before we move to our next question with you. Right. Wow. Right. My yeah. My
1: goodness. So I just want to just kind of talk about, um, this patriarchy, I guess I would say, I want you to share, um, your thesis and findings from your research project, Womanist Ecclesiologies, um, women, black women, resistant white supremacist, capitalist um, patriarchy. Just, just give us a synopsis of what's going on with that.
3: Sure. Um, So um, the, the thesis, well, the the title of the project was Womanist Ecclesiologies. Of course, Ecclesiology is the gathered community church. Right. right? Mm -hmm. So black womanist church women um, re- resisting these forces of evil, right? So what it is, is, and uh, my research was an attempt to get a, de- a definition of womanist ecclesiology. What is a womanist ecclesiology, right? Feminist eccle- ecclesiology have been defined already in many ways by feminist scholars and theologians in books like Um, Introducing Feminist Ecclesiology by Natalie Watson and Church in the Round by Letty Russell. And so the central question is, what does church look like when it considers, when it really considers the lives and experiences of Black women? Um, And so in that vein, um, in my research, I studied I identified and studied what I considered womanist-led ministries, right? Um, I studied uh, Pink Road Chronicles, a digital hush harbor curated by Dr. Melvin Sampson, uh, an organi- a, a, a community called Lewa Farabele, a womanist gathering in St. Louis, uh, led by Dr. Dietra ba- Baker, Lauren uh, Zakia, and Rebell, Middle Collegiate Church in New York City, led by Dr. Jackie Lewis, And Rise Community Church in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, led by Dr. Maisha Handy. Um, And so when we think about patriarchy, I think we all know what patriarchy is, right? It's just this whole idea that centers males, that centers men and boys, uh, their perspectives, their values, um, their way of doing church, their ways of interpreting scripture. Um, and then the capitalist, patri- the 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 capitalist. Of course, we know white, white supremacy, right? That whole, all those intersecting opp- oppressions, right? So, what does it look like when um, you have a womanist ecclesiology or a womanist-led church that has as its mission to dismantle and deconstruct those? particular evils that hinder the thriving and flourishing of all people um, and, and I say all people because I think many of us know that when black women are liberated and set free right everybody is because that means that all of these oppressive institutions and forces would have to have been dismantled for black women to be free right and so um, so in that In my research, I discovered uh, that there were, that these organizations and these um, gathered communities had six things in common. And And they all had all of these six things in common, which I suggest offer is they make up and inform a womanist ecclesiology, right? A way of doing church, a way of being church that takes seriously the lived experiences of Black women. Um, These gathered communities or a womanist ecclesiology that resists these oppressive forces is artistically expressive. So you'll always see beauty, um, whether it is in the attire of the preaching person, whether it's the art on the walls, whether it's in the slides for the PowerPoints, um, whether it is the uh, artifacts they have on the communion table, or um, Rise Community was really good at this—just the fabrics that they have uh, for the communion, for the tables—just artistically ex- expressive. Uh, womanist uh, ecclesiology is um, so, that has a social justice orientation. Um, each of these ministries is concerned about. And actively engaged in some forms of social justice ministry, not just charity, but actually trying to impact oppressive systems. Um, A womanist ecclesiology sets forth a communal Christology, um, sees Christ, sees Jesus' mission not just about individual salvation, right? But about doing something within community, transforming church and society, right? So it's not just this individual piety, right? It is about changing the world for everybody. The other thing that I found interesting was that These gatherings, these communities of faith seem to be organically trauma-informed. Now, what do I mean by that? So when an organization is trauma-informed, that means that it has a focus. First of all, it recognizes the reality of trauma in the lives of the people who gather to meet. Um, they A, a trauma informed organization understands that somewhere between 70 and 90% of everybody in a congregation, in a gathered community, has experienced at least one adverse childhood experience. Some, maybe more. And so the idea is to do no more harm. So that means that the preaching, that the teaching, that the litanies, that The leadership um, understands that and is informed by that, right? So, language is very important. Um, Clear communication is very important. Um, Being inclusive is very important. Um, Talking about difficult issues like rape and violence and sexual abuse and incest and substance abuse, I mean, these are important. Um elements that people are impacted by that God speaks to in, in healthy ways. Uh, five, the, the fifth thing I noticed was the belief in a universal God, right? Not necessarily, and this may push us a little bit, but these organizations don't find it necessary to condemn Muslims or Jews, right? But but see that God is a God of all people and for all people, right? And then finally, all of these organizations have as the primary proclaimers, womanist preachers. So black women who identify as womanists. Um, And so all of these components working together create uh, at least a definition of a womanist ecclesiology. And these components, these characteristics help us to deconstruct and dismantle white supremacist capitalist patriarchy because our preaching is focused. Um, Our ministry, our social justice is focused in that realm. Now, I know that was a lot.
2: Um, That is so wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. wonderful. I'm just shouting over here. Um, It just really, it, it dovetails into one of our questions about, black women preachers and how to leverage their experiences and their expertise. So as a womanist, I mean, and there are a lot of uh, black women preachers who are don't cl- claim to be womanists, and that's, that's right. fine. Um, yeah. But how can black women leverage who they are as black women?
3: Um, l- let me tell you this for me. So Um, several years ago, well, back in 2017, I worked for an organization, uh, it it was 14 years and three months, worked for one of those nonprofits that I had talked about. Uh, Suddenly, my position was eliminated um, around some of these same reasons that we talked about, right, about white fragility. And so when that happened, I began to question, I mean, at the time, I was 56 years old when that happened. I wasn't thinking about having to start over, right? And so um, I had to figure out, um, well, I began to question my value and my my own efficacy, right? Uh, And so I asked myself, who am I apart from a title? Who am I apart from my doing? At 56, I'm asking myself this question. And I began the process of recalibrating and redefining the self that I am. And one of the ways I did that was make a list of I am statements. I need you to hear me. Not a list of I am a statements, like I am a mother, I am a, no, 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 no. I made a list of I am statements. See, that exercise is not about what a Black woman does, but who we are, who I was. Who we be. Who yes. we be, right? Because we do yes. a lot. And doing a lot doesn't necessarily translate to self-compassion or mm-hmm. belief in our intrinsic worth, right? Um, so, So I began that process for myself. Um, and made some decisions about who I am, right? And I listed them. So then I looked at, okay, who I am, and Lord help me to really believe this, Mm -hmm. you know, and live into this is who you made me to be, who you created me to be, right? So then I began looking at, okay, well, what can I do? Like, what am I really good at? What brings me joy and happiness? Right, and I even had to engage some other people in that. Right, when you think about me, give me five words that describe to you who I am. Right. So this was all a process for me. Wow. Um, and so then, um, what happened with that? Because now, as a result of getting my position eliminated, I'm trying to figure out what can I do with my life going forward so that I don't ever have to depend on anybody to control if I eat or if I can pay my bills in terms of of an organization, right? In terms of an entity, right? Um, So how can I leverage my experience, my expertise, who I am to create what I call economic autonomy, right? That is being able to make money for myself based on my own brilliance right? So I became a spiritual entrepreneur. And and because of that, Mm -hmm. then I was like, you know what, there are other Black women out here who are in companies, in organizations where they are not valued, who have boatloads of skill, boatloads of experience and expertise that could translate some of that to businesses for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what I mean. It, so to begin that process, you gotta identify your "I am" statements.
0: Yeah,
3: right. Jesus said, "I am the light of the world." Right. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. am the bread of life. Jesus understood his identity. It is all about one's intrinsic identity, not what one does, but who one is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you got that, then you can figure out. Okay, now what? What? What do I know how to do? What? Mm-hmm. When do I slay? Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, and, and then and then and so you know that's why you have coaches, right? Um, and so I became a coach to help people to help women. Um, I have dream sessions with them where I listen. Mm-hmm. I have the ability to listen what I call prophetically right, to listen to a woman's story, to listen to her expertise, her skills, her passion, and help her come up with a plan, right, to translate that into something that can make her some money.
2: Mm. Wow, wow. So I love your energy, even though you say you're an introvert. I love this energy. Um, big, 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 uh, I, I love your
3: passion. I love passion, yeah.
2: Yeah. I love that passion. Um, so h- how do you manage that in a predominantly white denomination? You bring, how do you bring all of that into a white denomination and not be blackballed? Because that pa- when you have that kind of passion, they want to say you're an angry black woman. And, yes, and and I, I I I'm just curious about how do you maintain that passion and not have to come in a docile way to approach people in that in that in that church, in your church?
3: Well, first of all, right now I I have planted a church. So I'm a new church planter. Now, I have been, I have pastored um, traditionally already established churches. And let me just say, that didn't work out quite well for me because of everything you just said. Right. So I had pretty much given up on pastoring. But apparently God hadn't given up on me as a pastor, but I knew for me to to do and to be the kind of pastor that God called, crafted, and created me to be, it would have to be a church that I planted. And so uh, that's why we have the Gathering of is Church because uh, Reverend Camila Hall Sharp and I had the same kind of thinking, right? And uh, And we planted the gathering. And so we both have the freedom to preach it like the Lord gives it to us. we we have the opportunity to bring our whole selves to the ministry, Mm -hmm. right? What we believe in and what we we value. And God has blessed us to pastor a diverse, a racially diverse church. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And so being a part of a white denomination, this denomination is progressive enough that it gives us the freedom to do that right? Uh, also, um, I learned that I need God and Black women to survive and thrive. <clears throat> Let me say that again, in case somebody in the back didn't hear that. I need, I realize that I need God and Black women to survive and thrive. Uh, Reverend Camila Hall-Sharp, she has a, she made this t-shirt <clears throat> and, the, and it says, I'm trusting God and Black women. and uh, And so that has helped me having a a sister circle of Black women who we can talk things through, we can process, kind of like y'all, right? Mm -hmm. Y'all talk to each other. Y'all support each other. Y'all encourage each other. And then I had to learn some things, uh, Dr. Wallace. I had to learn that just because the church is Black doesn't mean it's not steeped in white supremacist ideology and culture.
2: Internalized.
3: That's what I have said, yes. That's right. Doesn't mean it's not steep. Doesn't mean it doesn't have that internal life because, yeah, right? So I had to, you know, I I learned a lot and 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 through pain, you know, I learned. Um, The other thing I learned, and we're talking about how I navigate this, right? I realized that I am a womanist preacher and prophetic leader and that it's going to cost me it's going to cost me to do what God has called me to do in the way that is authentically me. So I'm no longer naive. My naivety hurt me, right? Because I have these expectations, right? That, oh, God called me to be this way, to do this, to teach. And so I'm going to go into these churches and I'm going to be able to be who I am and blah, 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 blah. Help me, Lord Jesus. Right. I remember one time Dr. Cynthia Hale said, because uh, Dr. Cynthia Hale is a, a, a member of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. And I remember I was in a new church Planner training and she said, there is a congregation, there is a church that is uniquely suited for you. Mm. And sometimes it takes us a minute for God to get, to make those connections, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To get to the church that is right for you and that you're right for it. Mm. And for me, the gathering is that group of people. The gathering is that mm. church that lets me be me and wouldn't want it any other way.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's awesome. That's okay. that's that's just so awesome. I I I want I would really like for you to help our viewers. Let me let
0: me, before we go there. Let me let me let me throw this question in, um, if I can, uh, Dr. Wallace. Based on um, what you just said, out, I I'd like to know um from you, Dr. Session, that um, how are Black women to navigate the feelings of white women, tensions of gender disparity, without losing their personhood? Oh,
3: my God. Courageously. Courageously. I want to tell you what the Spirit gave me this week, Dr. Barnes. because as I mentioned, my daughter is going through this right now. And what I discovered this week is that God has given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, will guide us into all truth. And so in navigating these systems, we have to be in tune to the Spirit. We have to be in tune when the Spirit nudges us to say a certain thing, to not say a certain thing, To do a certain thing, to go a certain way, we have to be listening for that. So that means that we have to take time for self-care. We have to take time for quietness or however we hear from God. We have to be intentional about that. And when we get that nudge in our spirit, we're praying for guidance and wisdom. When the spirit communicates with our spirits and tells us to speak, we have to speak. When the spirit says, say this, we say that, nothing more, nothing less. So for what I learned, and it just hit me this week because a situation occurred and my spirit said this, but I ignored it. Had I communicated what the spirit said, I would have told my daughter to do this and it would have circumvented something that happened. Now, that is not to say that that organization was not responsible for doing the right thing in her life because they are still. But we, I think that's, that's, that's the weapon that we have. That's the tool that we have. The spirit is the tool. Because what is the promise? The spirit will guide you. The spirit will comfort you. That's real. I mean, that is like really real. So that is a way to navigate those systems. We got to stay connected to the spirit. The Bible talks about keeping in step with the spirit. There's something going on within us all the time because the spirit resides in us. Right. So that means we can't quench the spirit like with 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 anger and with hatred and with, you know, all of those things we have to deal with anger and rage, right? So that means we got to deal with those things that we feel when we're in these situations, when we're dealing with microaggressions, when we're dealing with, with racial racism, we have to deal with how we feel about it because we can't afford, hear me now, we can't afford to quench the spirit. We can't afford for the spirit to not be active and productive in our lives. Because that is our help.
0: Woo, this oh is God. so
2: powerful. Oh, my goodness. This is so powerful. I I, I want you to, uh, I can't ask these questions that we have right now because I'm so full. And and I, I I need you to help us move and lean into our pain. Because mm-hmm. as long as we continue to run from it, yes, it will control us. So right. as a social worker and a therapist, help us to lean into those painful places of misogyny, of racism, of patriarchy, and, and come out in a God-spirit-filled manner, not hateful. Yes.
3: Yes, it, it there is a place for hate. Yes. Not hating people, but hating systems, hating evil because racism, patriot, all the, those are, that's evil. So there is a place for hate, right? Um, so, you know, it begins for me with telling the truth, telling the truth about what happened to you that's the other part of uh being trauma informed right it is um telling the truth about what happened to you right um not not oh my gosh look at that i love when the holy spirit does that yes what happened to you not what did you do right um what happened to you so being able to tell the truth about it to people who are safe, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. holding all of that stuff mm-hmm. in is so toxic
0: yes. and
3: is harmful to us physiologically, spiritually, and emotionally, mm-hmm. right? Holding that toxicity in is one of the reasons that Black women uh, have disproportionately, are disproportionately represented in just about every mental health and physical uh, issue in this world, right? Diabetes.
2: Yes, diabetes.
3: Our disease, all of that. Because we've been this strong Black woman, right? Which means mm-hmm. we're not telling nobody what happened to us,
0: mm-hmm.
3: right? And so it, it, it involves, for me, I'll tell you some of the things that I do to lean into it, right? Is I talk about it. I tell the truth. I've had years of therapy right? Um, I I journal. Mm -hmm. I have learned that the sunlight gives me life. So I have to be out in the sun as much as possible. Sometimes I'll go to parks and I'll bring my laptop and I'll work and I'll write my sermons and whatever I do out in the sunlight, Mm -hmm. right? Processing with sisters, meditating on scripture, spending time alone in the quiet, for me, vacationing on beaches in Caribbean islands, right? <laughs> Tears, crying, writing, reading. We have to find what works for us. But we, but we do have to. I, I love the language that you use there, Doctor uh, Wallace. Leaning into it,
0: yeah, and
3: not running, running away from it.
2: Because thank you. you know, that that's 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 powerful because I find. Um, None of us really like pain. At least I know I don't. Um, Let me just say, I don't like pain. My personality does not like pain. However, it has been some of the most powerful ways in which I have learned what and who I am and what I am to do. It is the closing of those doors that I really thought was, were the doors I needed to walk into and to be who i I needed to be to help support yeah. my family, however, yeah. those were the most painful twenty years that I tried to fit who I am into a corporate environment and it, it at first when it was when I realized that that's that was killing me that 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 toxicity was actually. Killing me, which is why I struggle with diabetes right now and hypertension, um, and that is so true. So we, um, I, I just invite every every black woman on this broadcast to consider if where you work is toxic, and trust the Holy Spirit that what and who you are and what God created you to be and do you will find your love and and i it it was it was later that i found my love and we have to sometimes retool ourselves i heard you say um the yeah yeah, yes yes we have because just because that place doesn't like you or doesn't want you or think they don't need you does not mean that's not what god has called you to do
0: that's um, right. That's
2: you right. have, you, you bless my soul. You bless my soul. You bless my soul today. I really thank you for that. And I, I'm going to ask if there are other questions on that about trauma. Um, I, I really believe everybody has experienced some kind of trauma yes. because we come from people who experience trauma and That's we carry I mean. it in our DNA. And it's not That's just right. black folk white folk have trauma as well um and and some of it is moral what i call moral injury that we have to uh come face to face with um and therapy is one of those places that you do that but finding that safe place you got to have some sister girls like i have like uh dr Wright and dr uh Burns and and, and Dr. Bradford. You got to have some sister girls that you can actually lay your heart out. That's right. Lay your pain. Mm -hmm. Cry. Do all of that. But you got to have those kinds of safe places. And every black woman is not a safe place. Woo! Mm, Say so. Every black woman is not a safe place, because our motives sometimes get in our way, and what they they see what you have and they think it was easy, and they want it to so and they, and, they, and
3: they are they are functioning from a, from out of their pain Dr. yes, yes. They, yes you know and so yes, yeah.
2: yes, 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 because they don't think that the pie is big enough for everyone to have a slice and I believe God's path is the world and we all can have what God has called us right. to be. And that's
3: and that, that's that theology of sufficiency, right? Really? Rather than a theology of scarcity. And yes. that's, that's one of the things that I did I, when I first started this entrepreneurial endeavor, I said, okay, God, you own the cattle on a thousand hills the
0: earth is yours and everything in it. I need some of that. Wow. wow. That was my dot, prayer. Dr. Session, as, as our time is, is winding up, I can't believe so much time has gone by so quickly. Um, I see one of um, our, our viewers have yeah. asked, and if you could speak um, to yeah. this before we close out, uh, to say more about your courage to plant a church that represents your spiritual focus. Let this be your closing thoughts to us as you share this, please.
3: Um, What was the question?
0: Um, She's asking you to speak more about your courage to plant a church that represents your spiritual focus.
3: Okay. It actually began with, I kept seeing, well, first of all, we kept being asked, where can we hear some more of this woman is preaching? Because we had done a woman is seven last words in 2017. And so people kept asking us this, no matter where I would go, I would hear that. Okay. So that, and I kept saying, I'm not planting no church. Um, And then one of our friends who actually was with us in planting the church, it was three, it started off as three of us. And she had experienced something very traumatic and the spirit in a church and the spirit just said to me, what would it look like? if we created a place, a church, a community, well, really a community, because I wasn't thinking about church at first, where it was safe for Black women. And then we just, we kept talking and talking. And and it, so it was, the courage came of trying, wanting to do something that was helpful, wanting to ha- create a community that was helpful and not harmful to Black women And we believe that is preaching, which is a certain kind of preaching, Mm. could be helpful and was needed and necessary, right? And so it it came with wanting, okay, it came with wanting to solve a problem. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: And courage has never been something that I did not have. Mm. It's never been something I did not have. That does not mean I did not have fear, mm-hmm. because there's lots of things that I'm afraid to do, that I but 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 courage supersedes the fear. So you can, uh, uh, I got a couple of sisters that talk about doing it afraid, right. It takes courage to follow Jesus like for real, for real. How you do that? You have the courage, whoever you are. If if the spirit of God is putting something in your heart to do. Better do it. You got to do it. And as you're doing it, you will get the courage. We believe wow. we will led, And My so, God. yeah. Whew.
0: Wow. Okay. Dr. Session, this has been tremendous. you um, and audience, um, please put your love in the comments for Dr. Session. I tell you, I see a part two with you. And so we're going to ask you to go ahead and look at your schedule um, because our conversation today was, was just simply, simply powerful. Thank you. So very much, thank you so much, um, sisters. I
3: I'm just y'all are awesome. Y'all are doing so. <laughs> we <work>. love you.
0: <laughs> and
3: ministry, Thank that's you. And, uh, yeah, I have been a fan for a minute, Um, so I appreciate you all. You know, and that's how we need to be. We y'all saw me, right? Y'all nice.
0: saw
3: me. Yes. we and, we, and, and let's not. Let's not be, you know, super, super spiritual, right? Like, we want to be seen. Yeah. We want to be seen for who we really are.
0: For who and, we really are. That's yes.
3: There's a lot that you see us and you invite us to share. You think we have something worthy, something mm-hmm. worthwhile to share with this community. And that's, that's the woman's way, y'all. Amen. Wow.
0: Wow. Wow. It is. wow, thank you, Dr. Session. Thank Hang around know. for us backstage, please. My okay. God, today. Dr. Oh, it's on me for next yes, week. Yes, it is. Um, we have um, the Reverend Dr. Akilah Asalam, mm-hmm. um, who will be our guest on uh, next week. And so uh, join in as we deal more um, and look more at our introspective Ooh. ways. Thank you all so very much for being with us on today. God bless.
1: Same time, same place. See you next week.